Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Cleansing and Protection Magic, monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us, and binaural production engineer, Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great. And if you are interested in becoming a contributor to the show, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find what you need there. And now, without any further ado, our guest for today is David K. Miller. Thank you for coming on today, David. Hey, Gary. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, this is great. So, I mean, you've written a ton of books. Um, looks like a, a lot of them are about uh, Arcturians and expanding consciousness. Um, so, how did you first uh, start contacting, or did they start contacting you first, the Arcturians? Well, Gary, um, I've been interested in uh, altered states of consciousness uh, for many years. Uh, I've had uh, training in psychology and psychotherapy. Uh, and I moved to uh, Prescott, Arizona uh, around uh, 30 years ago uh, or more. And uh, I started going to Sedona, uh, which there are a lot of psychics there. And after being around the psychics, uh, I was at the north rim of the Grand Canyon. Uh, in a place called Sublime Point. And that's when I began to receive messages and channel. And it was during uh, one of those trips that I started receiving messages from the Acturians. Wow. And did, did it just happen? Or did you were you like meditating and just opening yourself up, waiting for the connection? Um, how did the, that occur? The first contacts were, uh, uh, it just happened. Uh, but uh, I, I write books and give uh, lectures and talks about how to channel uh, because I've been doing it now for so many years. And one of the things I uh, note is that being in a higher energy place helps you to connect with your uh, higher consciousness and your higher self. So it spontaneously happened while I was at the North Rim of the Grand Canyon, which is one of the most beautiful places in the world. Wow. Interesting. So there always seems to be a lot of paranormal stuff going on around that Sedona Grand Canyon area. Well, that, that's true. Uh, but I had also been studying uh, mysticism for many years. And I have uh, been a student of the Kabbalah uh, for many years. And the Kabbalah uh, actually speaks about channeling and how many of the uh, ancient rabbis were actually channels. Now they referred to the channeling as automatic speaking and they uh, were connecting with their spiritual teachers after they passed on. Uh, so I had uh, a, a good background in the, the psychic world. 
uh, and the paranormal world from my uh, study of the Kabbalah. Wow. So, so with the Kabbalah study, like, did you study mostly Jewish mysticism, or did you follow like more like a Golden Dawn type of path? I studied both. Uh, I'm more oriented towards Jewish mysticism because my background is in uh, Judaism. But uh, the Christian, I call it the Christian Kabbalah, uh, which uh, does include the Golden Dawn, like you said. Uh, I think uh, has made some very intriguing additions to the Kabbalah, and uh, it's my belief that the uh, main study of Kabbalah, which includes the Tree of Life, is really galactic. It's not just uh, for one group of people or one religion. Right. Yeah, it is definitely something that it could be considered universal. That is for sure. Um, so when you first made the contact with the Arcturians, what was your initial impression? You know, I've had some guests, you know, will say the Arcturians are 100% good and want to help the human race extend. And then I've had other guests say that they are tricksters and that they're nothing but demons in disguise. Well, I don't uh, believe the latter. Uh, they are good. Uh, uh, Edgar Casey, who uh, was probably the most famous channel of the 20th century, uh, referred positively to the Arcturians. Uh, one of my first models for channeling was Norma Milanovic, uh, who channeled the Arcturians and wrote the book, We the Arcturians. And I've had nothing but positive uh, energies and positive interactions from them. Uh, I, I, when I hear that some people report negative things, I just wonder who they're really connecting with. Because I consider the Acturians fifth dimensional mm -hmm. uh, and therefore are not going to be sending negative energy to us. Yeah. I mean, the people that, that have said this on my show are, are people that not have not even connected with them. They're people, I don't know. I, I don't know where their information is coming from, honestly. I can't. They, they've well, never really given me a source except that they just, for some reason, they've been told by some other entity that these entities are are tricksters and just want to mislead the human race. Well, let me just say uh, now that there are uh, spirit guides in the fifth dimension, and then there are spirits of lower energy in the fourth dimension. And I do not get involved in any fourth dimensional energies. But right. the fourth dimension uh, is, is often home to lower energies, to ghosts, to trickster spirits, like you say, etc. And you would have to be careful if you were going to try to connect with lower fourth dimensional beings. But I personally am not interested in, in connecting with them or working with uh, lower fourth dimensional beings. So have you raised your vibration high enough to connect with fifth dimensional beings? Well, <clears throat> I uh, do uh, spiritual practices, uh, including uh, studying. As I said, I studied the Kabbalah, uh, but I also... Uh, you know, initially we're, go we're going to high energy places, such like if, uh, being in Sedona or the North Rim or the South Rim of the Grand Canyon. I, I do meditations and I also do chanting. Uh, and then I uh, developed a special uh, trance induction technique uh, to get into higher and expanded consciousness, which I can explain to you if you're interested. I would love to hear about that. Well, um, as, as I told you, I, I'm a student of psychology and psychotherapy, and I have studied uh, hypnosis and trance induction techniques. 
Uh, and there was a special technique that was developed by the psychologist Milton Erickson, who was a, a well-known hypnotist. Right, Erickson uh, hypnotherapy, I've heard of it. Exactly, yeah, exactly, in the 60s and 70s. And the, the method that he, he used was to develop, uh, when you're in a trance, a trigger. Uh, and therefore, when you're in a deep state of meditation, connecting with your higher self, you establish a, a trigger. He called it an anchor. And then uh, when you're in a normal state of consciousness at another time, you use that trigger or use that anchor to get into the same state. Uh, and uh, Erickson had uh, many different types of tr uh, triggers, such as uh, tapping your cheek or uh, clapping your hands. It could be any, anything. I mean, the key to that this method is that you uh, meditate and get into this uh, higher state of meditation, and then you trigger it or anchor it. And uh, at a later time, you can repeat the trigger only. And that's the method I use when I channel, which ensures that I'm only going to connect with higher beings uh, in an expanded state. Wow. So, so that's pretty cool. So you're using sort of like a, a combination of uh, an Erickson hypnotic trigger to put you into a hypnotic, the, the trance state quicker. Exactly. Like a meditative, In fact, meditative, yeah. or like into like so it would be like a like a, a theta type of state. Exactly, and I have the trigger here. I use a tone or sound, and I'll make the sound for you. Uh, so listen one second. Well, I use that chime three times, and that's my anchor. Uh, and uh, it's extremely effective for me. Wow, that's great. So when when you're in a trance state, how do you document what you're experiencing? I use uh, a simple MP3 recorder, just an Olympus recorder uh, that uh, digital. And then uh, I, I I usually they give lectures to, to me. Uh, they could be anywhere from thirty minutes to an hour. And then I uh, have uh, a transcriptionist uh, who works for me, and I send her the MP3 uh, recording. She transcribes it, sends it back to me, and then I edit it. Because uh, channeling and, and speaking is not always great grammar. <laughs> so I, I and and because I, I send it out, and I published uh, 15 books, my 16th book is coming out uh, later on this year. Uh, and I've had numerous articles re, uh, uh, re published in the Sedona Journal of Emergence, Light Technology. My publisher is lighttechnology.com, www.lighttechnology.com, or all my books are available on Amazon. If you just Google David K. Miller, you'll get all of, the, all of my books. So that's how I've done all of the books. I would uh, channel, give a lecture, uh, then have it transcribed and then edit it, and, and that's how I produce the uh, the books. So, is everything you channel meant for the general public, or do they also give you information that is strictly meant for you? Well, uh, I do both. Uh, in fact, I do actually personal uh, readings for people that are just meant for them, uh, and then I I do general channelings. So. Uh, I would not uh, do personal 
information in a general channeling uh, because that would all be confidential. So I'm able to do both. When you first started talking with the Arcturians, I always see the word wrong. Sorry about that. Um, what was your initial message? Okay. The initial... I mean, you, you've written three books, so obviously they've had a lot to say. Three books, at least, that I see here on Amazon about the Arcturians. There's actually four books there... connected with the Arcturians, volume one through four, and volume five is coming out. But I, I wanted to say also, Gary, that I also channel other beings. Uh, including a soul psychologist named Vaiwamas. And one of my books is called Fifth Dimensional Soul Psychology. But um, the, the get back to your question, the original message was they wanted me to form a planetary healing group. And they wanted it to have 40 members in the group. Uh, and, and they gave me instructions on how to start the group and uh, what the group should do. Hmm. So, so the, the, the initially wanted you to, to put together a group of people? Exactly. A group of 40 people that would be uh, devoted to personal ascension and planetary ascension into the fifth dimension. That was the original message. That was the original uh, you know, task that was given by them. So how did you recruit 40 people? Well, that was a problem because uh, I didn't even know 40 people in my personal life at the time. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I did know about eight or nine people uh, uh, that were interested in working with me. And so I, what I did is I started meeting with them one, uh, once a month doing the channeling. And uh, then I started writing a newsletter. <clears throat> and uh, before I knew it, within like, I don't know, five or six months, uh, it, it got up to 40 people. And I was also helped by the fact that this um, journal, the Sedona Journal of Emergence, uh, published my articles. So I started getting letters and information about from people, and they, they would publish my name and my website, which is www.groupof40, that's G-R-O-U-P-O-F-F-O-R-T-Y.com. And, and the people would <coughs> write to me and say, well, I'd like to join your group. So I eventually uh, had uh, 40 people. But then they said the real uh, work is 40 groups of 40 or 1,600 people. And at this point, after all these years, I'm up to about 1,000 to 1,100 people in the group. Uh, that was going to be my next question. I was going to say, what happens when you end up with like 41? <laughs> well, you know, the, the original idea was that the groups would be in individual cities uh, and, and they would be meeting a person. But what happened is that everybody's so spread out that we had to develop ways of meeting online on the internet. And it, it didn't turn out to be a personal group. Uh, I mean, meeting in person. So I now have groups in about 15 different countries, including Australia, New Zealand, Colombia, Argentina, Brazil, uh, you know, Germany, uh, Mexico, Puerto Rico, uh, and uh, I can't remember all of the other uh, countries, but uh, and each country uh, has their own individual way of doing this. So I, I try to coordinate it, and my lectures uh, are winding up being translated into uh, Spanish, German, and uh, Portuguese. That's impressive. That's a far reach. So, so what do the groups do? Well, we have three activities. 
the first activity is a technique that the Octarians taught us called biorelativity. The second activity is called the planetary cities of light. And the thir third activity is uh, aura work or, uh, uh, you know, healing. And I can explain each one of those if you're interested. Of course. Well, <clears throat> biorelativity uh, is uh, planetary meditation to bring the planet back into balance. And for example, uh, there was a, a, a severe drought in Australia uh, about two years ago. And uh, there was this strange weather pattern called the dipole, which uh, has to do with the relationship between the weather uh, in Indonesia and the weather in Australia. It's kind of complicated, but anyway, because it, the dipole switched the wrong way, the Australia, especially Western, uh, Eastern Australia, was uh, Sydney and uh, all along the coast there, was in a severe drought. So we uh, had about 20 people and we meditated on switching the dipole back so that the rains would come to uh, to Australia. And after about two weeks of intense meditation, the dipole switched and the drought ended. Wow. You controlled the weather. Right. So a lot of our uh, meditations are focused on that. Uh, we've been focusing <clears throat> the past couple of weeks on Arizona, where mm -hmm. I live, because we've been in an extreme drought and we have seasonal monsoons. And so we've been focusing on meditating that the, the weather patterns, especially from the, the Baja, would bring moisture up to Arizona. And that's what's been happening in the past 10 days. Wow. Uh, so it, it's based on weather patterns. Sometimes we've been focusing on hurricanes and trying to lessen it, lessen the intensity. Uh, we have focused on uh, 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 volcano eruptions. And, and earth changes in general. Now, the, the, a lot of the books and teachings uh, that came through are lectures about uh, the biorelativity, what the principles are, how to do the meditations, uh, and how, how to guide it, and how to bring people together. So right now, most of the meditations are occurring uh, globally, either using uh, the Internet or using an international uh, phone line. What is biorelativity? Well, biorelativity uh, is a term that the, uh, it describes meditating to change the balance or the patterns of weather uh, or, or the uh, earthquakes or volcanics, volcanic eruptions to change them so that they're of less intensity and less harm to humanity. Hmm. So biorelativity is, is really planetary meditations on the planet to bring balance back. Okay. And what was the second thing you focus on? The second thing is called planetary cities of light. And uh, the planetary cities of light project uh, is focusing on creating sacred space around cities or neighborhoods. And the Octarians uh, say to me in my, in their messages that the healing of this earth is going to come from individual groups or small cities, not from the governments. And that the best way of healing the planet is to form spiritual groups who will form energy, spiritual energy of protection around their cities or neighborhoods. And uh, this project is called the Planetary Cities of Light. 
The reason why they call it planetary is because we have a network that is right now there's around 60 planetary cities of light in our project. We, we meet once a month. We do uh, activities together talking about uh, what's going on in the cities of light and reporting different changes. Uh, recently, there's been a tremendous interest in this project in South America. Yeah, and we find like, for example, in Colombia, Argentina, Mexico uh, are all uh, are, are interested in working with us. I'm doing a planetary city of light activation uh, in Coyacan, Mexico, uh, uh, in fact, tomorrow at 10 a.m. So uh, when uh, there are certain requirements, they, people have to plant four crystals in the cardinal areas, north, south, east, and west. And then uh, I, I have to channel for them an activation and uh, they have to have four members of the group of 40. And then we have other specific meditations that we work with them afterwards. Wow. And then what's the third item? Well, the third item is what I call personal work. The Arcturians um, have given me a lot of information about working with the aura because they believe uh, uh, that the, our energy fields are the key to healing and the key to our ascension. So they've given me a lot of different exercises. Uh, aura pulsing is named one exercise. Shimmering the aura is, is another one. Bilocation to a fifth dimensional place is another one. So they, they uh, have been teaching me uh, how to uh, use the aura as a means for in, in, uh, improving overall physical health and for your spiritual development. Okay. All right. So we have um, the the meditation and, you know, trying to lessen, you know, dramatic earth events, community protection, and then the personal um, type of aura cleansing. How did it all connect? They all connect because we're trying to bring the uh, the planet and everyone who's working with us into the fifth dimensional consciousness. And the uh, recent uh, explanation, uh, which is uh, it's somewhat complicated, but I'll try to make it as simple as possible. The recent explanation is that the Arcturians are trying to uh, assist us in evolving to the next level in our species. So we have Homo Neanderthal, we have Homo sapien, and the next level is Homo Omega. Mm -hmm. And Homo Omega uh, can do all of those three things that I told you about, planetary healing, biorelativity, and aura work. And they, they feel that the only way to really uh, solve this current planetary crisis is for uh, manifesting and accelerating the new species of humanity called Homo Omega. Has Homo Omega previously existed on this planet during the time of Atlantis? People have asked me that. I don't know exactly the answer, but I know, for example, that Jesus was an example of Homo Omega, and, and uh, some of the great prophets were, were uh, examples of Homo Omega. And there could have been uh, there could have been people in Atlantis that also were at the higher level. But, uh, you know, the dominant species uh, still is of lower consciousness, uh, that, that is Homo sapien. And uh, there's, there's only a small uh, group of people on the planet, they said maybe 8 to 10 million, 
who uh, understand and are willing to work with these higher concepts and to facilitate the evolution of humanity to the next level. Hmm. So what is the difference between Extending to the fifth dimension while we are still alive versus just waiting till we die. I use the example in the Bible because remember I told you I'm a student of the Kabbalah mm-hmm. of uh, Elijah and, and, and Ezekiel and also Enoch. Um, so uh, these are examples of people who have ascended. Enoch uh, in the first in Genesis, it just states he walked with God and he was he was no more. Uh, Ezekiel uh, was uh, getting ready to ascend, and he did. He did. Uh, excuse me, Elijah. I always mix uh, mix up Elijah and Ezekiel, but they're both they're both lived around the same time. But it's Elijah, uh, and he, uh, with his student, uh, went to a river. Uh, I forgot the name of the river, and then uh, he said he was getting ready to ascend, and then he did. He was brought up into the higher realms with the chariot, and he left his cape behind for his, his student, Elisha. So these are two, exa- biblical, two biblical examples. And then Jesus ascended, but Jesus ascended after his death, although there is a, a, a part in the New Testament where he is transfigured, which is a, a, a way of describing going up into the fifth dimension, but still appearing to people and then coming back down. So these are, are some examples of the fifth dimension uh, and, and going to uh, how you could ascend. The idea is that you would be at such a high level that you would not have to go through the death process and you would just energetically move into the next realm. If we energetically move into the fifth dimension, at that point, is death no longer a concern? Well, yeah, because you, yeah, you, you, number one, you transcend the death experience. But more important, or equally important, is that you uh, are free from the Earth's incarnational cycle. When you go to the fifth dimension, you do not have to reincarnate back on the Earth. Hmm. That's interesting. I guess that would be a bummer for the Bodhisattvas, though. Why is that? Well, because Bodhisattvas, the idea of Bodhisattva in Buddhism is to, to keep reincarnating on Earth to help other beings. No, but it's, it's still possible. Once you go to the fifth dimension, you could choose to come back. You can choose to come back. It's just that you'd come back, as you said, as a bodhisattva. You'd be in a higher realm, but you wouldn't be uh, the bodhisattvas, my understanding, and I'm not you know, up on all the Buddhist stuff. Uh, they, they are not part of the reincarnational cycle. They are free. In other words, if you're still in the reincarnational cycle, you have to come back uh, to finish before you graduate from the earth. But if you go through the ascension, working with the Arcturians, then you go to the fifth dimension. And if you want to come back, you can, but you don't have to. And uh, many people don't want to come back, especially with, with what's going on now on the Earth. Hmm. I don't know. Sounds a little selfish not to want to come back and help. Well, not really. I mean, like I said, you have the option of coming back if you want to. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, the thing is, there are other planetary systems in the galaxy. You know, there are, there are other things, and we're on a soul journey, and, uh, you know, each of us uh, uh, have their, our own soul path to follow. Uh, so I don't know. I don't, I don't consider it selfish if you choose not to come back. I think, you know, you try to be as much service as you can while you're here. Hmm. 
Um, I always ask this question. Why did the Arcturians care about humans in the first place? Well, uh, the answer is that the uh, main principle in the galaxy and in the universe is evolution. And the evolution uh, uh, involves being of service because uh, the greatest um, way of helping your own evolution is through service. And there is a network of ascended masters around the galaxy who are working towards helping the earth and to uh, helping the earth evolve. So uh, just like we would be certainly be interested if we found there were uh, life forms on Mars or we found that there were other life forms on the Pleiades uh, and, and we'd be interested in interacting with them. And so they are uh, interested in interacting with us and helping us evolve. And in fact, they have a whole system of uh, planetary stages of development and they've explained where we are in the cycle of planetary development. Hmm. Um, how did they find us? Well, uh, oh, and let me say one other thing before I answer that. And they also teach a, an interesting concept called galactic anthropology. So we think of anthropology, you know, as working with civilizations on the earth. And I could ask the same question. Why would an anthropologist want to go to Africa or the Brazilian jungle to study? And, and the answer is that uh, curiosity and also to learn more about ourselves. Uh, the, the way they found us uh, is that through their sensitivity, they can pick up energetic uh, life uh, pulsing from anywhere in the galaxy uh, because of our thoughts and because of our energy fields. And I know, I don't know what technology they would use to do that, but uh, I know that they, they uh, also reported that uh, the detonation of the nuclear bomb in Hiroshima and, and, and other uh, nuclear activities uh, was transferred and transmitted throughout many parts of the galaxy. So they were aware of that, that energy. And by the way, the Acturians hate nuclear energy and nuclear radiation. That's a whole nother lecture. But it's interesting. So are Arcturians also, do they not only come to us through our consciousness, but also are they responsible for some of the UFO sightings? Uh, I don't know about the UFO sightings, but uh, they, their primary method working through me is through uh, telepathic communication. Uh, a lot of people have asked me, why don't they appear uh, or, or, or come here? And the answer is they talk about uh, the karma. And if they uh, interfere in, in us uh, and change too much, then they become karmically involved uh, in, in us. So they do not want to appear or they do not want to uh, intervene uh, because by intervening directly, they could karmically uh, get involved and even be trapped, in a sense, in the Earth's incarnational process. But by communicating with you, aren't they already sort of doing that? No, because uh, it's through me, and, and I get to do what I want with it, and uh, it's a free will. You know, you could hear the information, 
and you could like it or not like it. You could reject it. So there's no obligation. Uh, and so my, my free will is not being interfered with, and your free will isn't being interfered with. Uh, and there's no force involved. Did he also work with or alongside um, like Pleiadians and Syrians and some of the other uh, starseed civilizations? Yes, they do work. Uh, we call them the Ascended Masters and the Galactic Ascended Masters. <clears throat> they do work with the other other beings. There is a Galactic Council that oversees a, a lot of this, but they, they work only with the higher beings, including a Jesus, but whose uh, galactic name, as you probably know, is Sananda. So yes, they do work w with other Ascended Masters. Hmm. How long will it take for human beings to reach the fifth dimension? And what happens to us? Like if I were, if I extend and reach the fifth dimension, will my physical form disappear? Will uh, it vanish? You will, uh, you know, you will uh, be, as they say in the Christian evangelical world, you'll be taken. <laughs> so that means that you, you will vanish. And in, in the story of Elijah, uh, in, in the Bible, he all that was left behind was his coat. Mm -hmm. uh, his physical body was gone. So in the ascension, uh, because really you are a spirit inhabiting a physical body. And so then if you, and all your physical, all, but it's, is, all your physical body is, is a vibrational energy field. If you increase the vibrational energy field speed, then you would uh, uh, rapidly be so rapid that you would go into another realm and you couldn't be, you wouldn't be seen. And that's one of the exercises we practice is called shimmering, which is the acceleration of your aura to a higher speed. How is that done? Do you use it like, you know, is that like a chakra meditation or something? Well, it's similar, but basically we, we uh, visualize <clears throat> the <clears throat> the aura and visualize there's a, a line around the aura and uh then we they have a special technique we teach to increase the speed of the aura and that's called shimmering and uh you know i i, I it's explained in my books or if people wanted to, to to reach out to me uh, either by my website or my uh, email address is david miller at groupof40.com, G-R-O-U-P-O-F-F-O-R-T-Y.com. We, uh, we do uh, exercises and I do training in how to accelerate the speed of your aura. Cool. Um, ha have you had anybody in one of your groups taken or vanish? No, at this point I've not, because <clears throat> uh, we believe uh, uh, that there's going to be a specific time period when there will be uh, an energetic interface that will allow us to ascend. Uh, you know, previous ascensions uh, have happened individually based on the person's uh, advancement. But this time, the uh, the Octarians say there's going to be an intersection between the fifth and the third dimension. And at that intersection point, a huge influx of energy will be downloaded. And uh, we 
uh, who are practicing or what are being trained will be able to use that energy to accelerate ourselves into the higher dimension. Um, interesting. Um, I had a question. I just kind of lost my train of thought there for a second. Um, during thinking well while you're doing that let me uh, just say one other thing uh the other books i've written uh, uh mm-hmm. are uh it's called the uh fifth dimensional soul psychology and uh, uh it's uh uh my guide for that one's called by Wamas. and in that that uh, uh book i describe uh, other therapeutic uh techniques besides traditional psychology and traditional psychiatry uh and this includes past life therapy, life between life therapy. Uh, and uh, for example, my wife, uh, Gudrun, who uh, is a co-founder uh, of this group, uh, also does uh, life between life therapy and past life therapy, uh, hypnotic regressions. And so uh, uh, the theory of this book is that uh, sometimes normal uh, psychological therapy does not always uh work and that sometimes you need information about your past lives your soul development uh and uh even in some cases parts of your soul may have been uh, uh remnants have been lost so the book explains the other new techniques uh, about what's called fifth dimensional soul psychology hmm. i know what my question was you mentioned that there could be a certain time when there's going to be the right energy for this extension or the people to move into the fifth dimension to happen. Does this happen to coincide with the um, shifting of the magnetic poles of the Earth? Possibly. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, it's more of a spiritual energy than a physical energy. Uh, but uh, it, it is an interaction to like and, and it could like you say it could affect the magnetic uh, uh, field uh, when if one dimension intersects another. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that's very what you suggested is very possible, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, I, I, I've heard that from other other people that I've interviewed that those events will sort of coincide. Right. It, it, I mean, <laughs> it, it makes sense to me. Uh, the whole issue is that we're in a severe planetary crisis. Uh, in fact, uh, they refer to it as the sixth mass extinction. Uh, and that, you know, we're, we're in an accelerated time where uh, the, ex- the extinction forces are accelerating. And the, the Arcturians are concerned that there could be various collapses of the biosphere. For example, the oceans. There are parts of the oceans that are in danger of dying, and they've given some, you know, if nothing is done, for example, they gave the figure of by 2035, parts of the ocean could die, which would be a devastating uh, for us. Um, so I've, this is interesting, too, because I've heard two different, like, like, you know, I've heard the view of, like, where, you know, about saving the Earth and saving life on Earth. And then I've also heard the viewpoint of the entire planet is is a live being, and the whole 
planet will ascend to the fifth dimension, and then those things will no longer be a concern. Well, you're correct. Uh, in fact, uh, that is another one of the teachings and basis of biorelativity, which is that the, the Earth is a living planet, and the information is that uh, living beings uh, establish homeostasis, and they have a feedback loop system. And, and the Earth has both of those things, and I can explain that in detail later. But uh, so that, that that's that's correct. And but the, the Earth cannot ascend in the, to the fifth dimension, uh, or uh, no one could really ascend until you're at the right vibration. So uh, you have to you, you know lower consciousness, uh, negative people with le- negative emotion, jealousy, hatred, violence. They cannot enter the fifth dimension. You have to be above all of that, and so. When people say, "Well, the whole Earth is going to ascend," uh, I right now, I mean, th- this planet. How many wars are going on? I don't know the number, but uh, uh, there could be a hundred different wars going on. The, the planet is totally polluted uh, on so many different levels. So th- there has to be a purification uh, before the Earth, uh, as an entire planet, can ascend. Um, will there be a possibility of? A certain group that will ascend and another group that won't sort of like in the bible you know where where or, or like i don't know if it's the bible but i know like there's certain religions where they believe that they're going to you know be be extended and go to heaven and, and others will just sort of be left behind and the world will just become this hellish place uh, absolutely i think that is a possibility for example uh, in some of the channelings, uh, we used to talk about uh, Saddam Hussein and how could Saddam Hussein go into the fifth dimension, right? And so he will, uh, or probably already has reincarnated in other planets that are based on warrior-type planets. So you're you're absolutely correct. Uh, everyone cannot ascend, and there'll just be certain parts of the planet. Uh, or this is the idea of the planetary cities of light, by the way, which is trying to designate areas that become sacred and spiritual uh, and that they would be capable and eligible to ascend. But those people outside those areas won't be okay? Well, some of them will. I mean, uh, I I don't know everybody's soul history, and I'm sure that there will be people uh, who are outside of this because uh, outside of this project or outside of the city's life that could ascend. I'm not saying that everybody has to be in this project or has to be in this planetary cities of light. But correct, the, uh, other people outside could ascend too. And in fact, they talk about <clears throat> the three spiritualities uh, on the planet that, that need to be united, which is galactic spirituality, mystical, religious spirituality, and Native American teachings. And e- all, any, anyone from either, either side of this, which they call the sacred triangle, can, um, you know, use this to go to a higher realm. Hmm. So it doesn't matter. It's not specific to a particular religion or belief. No, it's not uh, because (coughs) it's the integration. And they talk a lot about the native peoples being a key ingredient Many of the world religions, are, even right now, are not. Uh, there's nothing addressing planetary healing or planetary balance. 
I really, the only thing I that's come close is in uh, mystical and uh, in, in Judaism, uh, there's a concept called tikkun, which means the repair of the world. Right. And, uh, you know, that is, uh, as far as I know, I have not seen that. Now, the native peoples, and I've wor- I'm working, I have worked with the Hopi, for example, they do have s- specific ceremonies that they work with to bring a balance back to the earth. But th- th- those those balances of those um, practices need to become more worldwide. Right. But the earth doesn't necessarily have to heal, though, if people ascend to the fifth dimension and just sort of leave the earth behind. Well, no, the earth doesn't have to heal, but it's like, uh, what, humanity has been, or uh, uh, human-like forms, uh, hominides, been around for three million years. Uh, the uh, last species, Simodrus Homo Neanderthal, apparently died off 50,000 years ago. Uh, but they were living with us for over 100,000 years. Uh, and I, I guess, no, we, we could destroy everything, and then maybe the Earth would take another 100,000 years and, and another species will come. Right. But uh, I think that it behooves us to try to correct these imbalances. And the the thing is that this is the first time in the history of this planet that one species, namely uh, Homo sapien, controls all of the life forms. Whatever Homo sapien does will determine who lives and who dies on this planet right now. So how did we arrive at such a tragic state of affairs well the Actarians say that <clears throat> there are planetary stages of development and uh, the first planetary stage of development is called uh, uh, technology versus wisdom or spiritual wisdom and the planets like ours uh, if they develop the technology faster than they, they achieve wisdom then they they wind up in the state that we're now in. So that's basically uh, what's happening. But then some planets overcome this and move on to stage two uh, of development. But we're still at stage one. uh, And because if we do not resolve this with spiritual wisdom, then uh, we could destroy the whole planet. What stage are the Arcturians in? I never asked them that, but I'm, I'm sure they're at least at the stage three or stage four. Stage two is that they've overcome all of the, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, militaristic uh, uh, energy, and they're able to control their environment. And in stage three, they actually can move their planet into a higher dimension. Hmm. Um, so at one point it's possible for us to become like them and then we'll be the ones going around helping other planets that are in the same state as us. Which makes me wonder, have the Arcturians been where we are now? Absolutely. Yeah, they were at a lower level. In fact, they've have they've had a history of war and one of their planets was actually destroyed. They had several planets in their system. Uh, and there is the history of the Pleiadians and maybe you've had some Pleiadian uh, teachers on or uh, masters on your program. Yes. And uh, the Pleiadians uh, have 
uh, also had this problem, but th their planet uh, resolved and it did uh, move on to a higher level. So what is the Arcturians' view on where we came from? Well, they kind of share this idea that there were the, orig the original galactic uh, ancestors were called the Lyrians, uh, which uh, I don't know how many millions and millions of years they go back, and that the Lyrians were the original uh, inhabitants of this section of the galaxy. And because of some type of uh, violence or militaristic problems, some of the people uh, left the Lyrian uh, uh, constellation or culture or planets and, and spread out into uh, the Pleiades and to the Earth. Do they believe in God or have any type of creation story for the universe? Uh, they do believe in God. They actually use the same Hebrew word, one of the Hebrew words for God, which is Adonai, uh, they, which they say is a galactic word. Uh, so, yes, they do believe in, in the divinity. Uh, I, I've never, they've not uh, given me any information about the creation story at this point. I've never asked them, actually, so that's an interesting question. Hmm. Um, if, if meditation and, you know, using our consciousness to change events on Earth, does that point to an idea that we're living in a holographic universe? Yes, it does. And by the way, I just thought of something else. They do talk a little bit about the Big Bang in the beginning of the universe. Uh, so uh, they, because they're very interested in our astrophysics in astroastronomy, so uh, they, they do believe in, in the, the, the the Big Bang, and they they uh, talk a little bit about the fastest uh, speed in the universe is the speed of thought, which is faster than the speed of light. Um, but um, yeah, yes, um, I, I think it is interesting. Uh, I, I forgot the other part of your question because I went offline. I mean, I went on to another subject. Oh, I already forgot the question too. <laughs> Um, but but I was you know I was, I was just asking about that creation story and right. um, oh the holographic universe idea. Oh right, okay, yeah, yes, yeah, it's very much. In fact, the idea of the holographic uh, uh, energy is used in planetary healing because if you heal one part, then the other parts could heal, and that includes working in the ocean. Uh, so yes, very, you're, you're correct. They, they are very much working and uh, studying and practicing holographic energy work. If we mess up really, really bad and revert back to just being primitive, warlike species, and give up on spiritual evolution and destroy ourselves, will that have a ripple effect that will affect them in a negative way? Well, I don't think it would affect them in a negative way because they're uh, outside of our karma. Uh, so, no, I won't affect them in a negative way. Uh, I mean, I think they'd be disappointed and they're trying to work with us to, so that that won't happen. And I asked them, well, will you or other higher beings interfere if we uh, are on the verge of uh, you know, planetary destruction? And they said that if the destruction reaches the point of no return, then they would, or the ascended masters would consider intervening. 
Wow. I wonder what that would mean. Well, point of no return means to them that we we as a species could not recover. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I wonder what they mean by intervene. Like, like would they just wipe us out completely? Or well, would they no. do something to, to, to save us? Uh, the latter. But then, uh, you know, they also talk about what's called the messianic intervention. Because, you know, they do believe in God uh, uh, and uh, they, they do believe in, in the messianic life, which I, I, th- I thought was pretty surprising to me. And messianic light is uh, light that transcends logic and transcends the, the energy field so of, of, of cause and effect. So it is possible that there could be a messianic intervention. So does that mean an intervention from God directly? Well, um, yes and no, uh, because like, let's just say uh, in the Bible, we had the parting of the Red Sea, but uh, did God come down and part the Red Sea or did he uh, create some kind of uh, geomagnetic disturbance uh, in, a, in an island, uh, you know, far away that caused the tilt uh, which caused the oceans, which caused the Red Sea to split. So, uh, you, you know, would you say that that happened, geolo- it was a geological phenomenon that can be explained? Or would you say that God caused that geological phenomenon to be? And the answer is both, as opposed to just doing, uh, you know, raising uh, a hand or whatever and, and doing it. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there are certain laws within the governing of this dimension that would have to be followed, but that messianic intervention could transcend those laws. Do the Arcturians have anything to say about why God would even create such an imperfect world to begin with? Yes. Uh, They talk about what's called free will. And this is a free will planet. And uh, what that means is we, everyone has the choice to do whatever they want to, uh, even if it's negative. And they say that for a variety of reasons which are somewhat difficult for me to understand, uh, we, are, we need free will to evolve our soul. And <clears throat> the, that there are still people lining up, souls lining up to come here because of the free will experience. So from the soul perspective and from the perspective of soul evolution, uh, you uh, can evolve when you are incarnated on a free will planet. So where does the soul come from? Why does it exist in the first place? And what is the big deal about the soul? Like, like It doesn't really... To me, it almost doesn't even make sense that we exist to begin with. Um, I don't know if I can answer that question. It's, uh, I, I don't have the answer to that question. But uh, the, the souls uh, do exist as groups, as soul groups, and that, that your soul is evolving. And the idea is that as you are evolving, you're going up to higher dimensions, and each dimension 
has uh, an ability to get closer to the divine. So you could be closer to the divine on the fifth than you can on the third. But you still can be close to the divine on, on the third. But why this has been set up this way, um, you know, uh, there is a theory in Kabbalah about that. Uh, it's called the, the breaking of the vessels and the, the, the soul uh, fragments have been spread around. But uh, I, I don't really have a definitive answer to that question right now. I often just wonder, like, what was God thinking? Well, the thing is that we don't know how God thinks. I mean, <laughs> that's the that's the problem. Uh, we we just know how we think, and uh, uh, you know, for example, uh, karmically, some of the things that are happening on the planet don't make sense, but uh, they they it may all fit into a pattern that we just can't understand at this level of consciousness. That's true. I, I totally agree. I also have to say, sometimes I wonder, why am I even thinking? Why are you even thinking? Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Why am I walking around thinking? Well, uh, that's our nature. Our nature is to, is to think. Uh, and uh, in the uh, Kabbalah, uh, they have the concept of the ten stories. And we're living in, in a, on the first story where nothing makes sense uh, and uh, free will uh, is creating problems. And, uh, but then if you're on the 10th floor looking down, everything is as it should be. Right. And you can see how everything is fitting together. But that means you could also see the relationship between the Earth and other planetary systems, the, re the relationship of karma uh, and everything like that. It's, it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's one, one way of approaching that. So you're kind of talking about like, Macoth versus Cather. I'm sorry, say that again? I think it's called the, the bottom sphere, the Macoth of Cath or something like that. And then the okay. top one is Cather. Cather is the crown. Yeah. I didn't understand the other one. I can never pronounce the bottom one. The oh, Malkut. Malkut, okay. No, Malkut. Malkut, Malkut is a kingdom. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where we are on the Tree of Life. And the Cather is the crown, uh, which is also defined as undifferentiated energy that um, is beyond words. Right. The Kabbalah, to me, just seems like a big circuit of energy. Well, the Kabbalah, uh, it, it, the main teaching is the tree of life, and you're correct, it is like a circuit, uh, which explains how higher energy uh, gets um, toned down or uh, lowered into lower energy. So yeah, that's a good a good analogy. Hmm. Interesting. Do the Arcturians ever talk about Kabbalah? Yes, themselves? they talk about the Tree of Life quite a bit, and they have modified the Tree of Life for planetary healing. Uh, and uh, this explained in one of my other books. Uh, uh, the uh, idea of uh, using the tree of life for planetary healing as opposed to most people use the tree of life uh, uh, just for personal healing or for explaining God and, and the attributes of God the Acturians have developed the tree of life to uh, explain how it could be used for planetary healing wow 
Um, have, have, do, do you ever perform any Kabbalistic rituals? I, I use uh, two rituals. One is the um, using sacred Hebrew chanting for healing. And also uh, there's a special Hebrew prayers that are used uh, for uh, unlocking the codes of ascension. Those are the two uh, Kabbalistic uh, exercises that I use. Hmm. Have you ever used any of that to try to open portals? Uh, no, uh, I, I've not used the Kabbalistic energies to open portals. Uh, I would use the Arcturian energies and uh, have them download certain things for me if we wanted to do that. Have you ever considered trying it? Uh, well, I have. I mean, I've traveled around the, the world and have gone to different uh, locations, uh, sacred areas, and opened up portals, yes. Hmm. Is that like on a physical or astral? Both. Both. Because it happens astrally, but also happens physically. But since the COVID-19, I've not done any more traveling, and I've not done any of that. Do you think that's sort of like the same type of energy that they find in places where you say there's portals like Skinwalker Ranch? Um, ask that question again, please. Do you think it's that type, same type of energy that creates natural portals, like what they find on Skinwalker Ranch? Yeah, I, I don't know exactly about Skid Ranch, uh, that ranch. I, I saw something about it on the program, Ancient Aliens. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know enough about Sk- uh, that to compare it to that, really. Uh, I, I saw, all I know about is what I saw on TV. And it sounds like when I, what I saw on TV that there was some kind of negative energy associated with it, too. I don't mm-hmm. know. Do you think the Egyptians were trying to open portals by building the pyramids? Absolutely. And I think that they were communicating with the Syrians and the Pleiadians and that they were, uh, you know, sending their bodies after their death to those places. Yes, I would say that 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 definitely is possible. Do you think they were also using them to teleport? And that's why we find them all around the world. Well, there is something to say about that. Uh, The the why the pyramids appear in different places, they all have kind of similar structures. Uh, and I've seen the theories about that as using some kind of electromagnetic grid, but uh, frankly, I, I don't know the answer to that at this time. Hmm. Have you ever considered asking them for like a, a history lesson? It'll be uh, interesting to hear, you know, from a species that's been around much longer than us, like what our true history would be was. Because I, I don't think that we're even close to what it was. I've not asked them that specifically. We have talked about some of the uh, Anunnaki and the the uh, you know the 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 twelfth planet uh, and how that there was some interference uh, in our development uh, by the, these other uh, extraterrestrial civilizations. But uh, I and we have talked a little bit about the Lyrians. And uh, but but most of the focus has really been on this planetary healing project. Have they given you any information or or any warnings about like uh, our secret space program? 
Uh, no, the only warnings they uh, are giving me is about a radiation. And uh, they, they say that the radiation contamination on this planet is out of control. And <laughs> they're very concerned about Fukushima. They continually talk about Fukushima as possibly leading to the death of uh, the Pacific Ocean. Uh, but in terms of the secret military uh, program, no, they have not talked about that. Mm. What type of energy do they suggest us use rather than nuclear? <clears throat> well, you know, um, they, they, they are suggesting there is higher ways of doing energy uh, and uh, they haven't given me the specific answers to that, uh, but there are alternatives. Uh, which which we can use, but uh, radiation nuclear energy is not uh, uh, because it's it's too dangerous, and it's already shown to be too dangerous. Uh, so, you know, uh, if we needed other energy, I'm sure we could find other ways of doing it. Are they okay with fossil fuels? Uh, they they don't talk too much uh, about fossil fuels. I mean. Basically, it's still negative. I mean, the internal combustion engine is definitely a, a, a lower level, lower vibration, and they don't, they don't use that. You know, they, they have some type of anti-gravity. Uh, but but they, have, they don't talk negatively about fossil fuel as much as about uh, nuclear energy. Are they concerned about us leaving Earth and corrupting other planets before we evolve? Yes, they're very concerned about that. And they say that we're closer than people realize to being able to travel interdimensionally. Uh, and that, therefore, uh, they are concerned about us exporting our militaristic ways and technology uh, outside of our, our system. Even though it seems like we're far away from uh, space travel, uh, they said that they, we are closer than we, you could imagine. Hmm. See, to me, that kind of points to they might be acknowledging the secret space program then. Uh, we have not really talked to them about the secret space program. Right, but if we're closer than what, if they think that we're closer than what we think we are, that means there's something we don't know. Well, they're talking because the, the key to traveling uh, through space is interdimensional No, interdimensional travel. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, they're going through uh, what they call hyperspace. Right. Yeah. And uh, uh, once you develop that technology, then you can go anywhere you want to. Right. Well, my understanding has been we've already had that. We already have that technology. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't personally know about that, but, you know, maybe you know more about it than I do. I just wonder sometimes, they, you know, they say their motive is to you know, help and be, you know, like, like, you know, it's like altruistic type of motivation. But I wonder sometimes if they're, what they're worried, really worried about is us becoming like an infestation throughout dimensions and throughout the cosmos. Well, I think that's a good uh, observation. Uh, I mean, I think they have the uh, technology to defend themselves from us, but you're right. Uh, we, we could become, <laughs> I mean, infestation. Uh, you know, look what we've done to the earth. 
So why would we expect us to be any different if we went out in the galaxy? Yeah, exactly. We're, we're going to do the same thing. We're just going to pillage it for our own <laughs> um, satisfaction and comfort and, and then leave it behind. And that's what we do. Right. That's correct. So with your organization and, you know, the, the 40 or this, I guess 1600, um, how is that going to change things? Well, we're talking about the group of 40, www.group.com. And, uh, we are working to, uh, set up, uh, a, a direct intervention through higher consciousness that will change humanity and, and help humanity evolve to the next level, uh, which I called, which they called Homo Omega. And that's, then that's how that would change the world is that there would be uh, a influx uh, and the spread of higher consciousness around the planet. And then that higher consciousness will help us out of it? Absolutely, yes. Because then people will see the unity of all, the need to... Uh, because uh, they say the only way to overcome chaos is through unity. And we're now in chaos. I hope you're right. You know, well, I one, so one of the things that I wonder is like, like we evolve to that point, we extend, and then we figure out a way to abuse it. Well, <laughs> and exploit I mean, it. And, being in the higher <laughs> dimension, uh, you would not be selfish, and uh, you would not have that because this selfishness and exploitation is a lower energy. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I, I need to bring it to an end here. It's been great talking with you. All right. Uh, and um, if, uh, so before we wrap it up, where can my listeners find you? I mean, you've mentioned the website a couple times, but repeat it one more time, and I'll also post the website and your books in the notes of this episode. Well, remember, they can find all my books on Amazon.com mm-hmm. under David K. Miller. Uh, and then the website, uh, www.groupof40.com. And there's also, uh, at the website, the ways that they could reach me there. Uh, I have a monthly newsletter. You can sign up and receive it for free. Uh, uh, there's information there because we have many activities uh, around the world. Uh, and so uh, I could update people or they could be updated by, by the newsletter. Awesome. Well, I will post those in the notes of the episodes so my listeners can buy your books, check out your site, and join your organization if they want to. Right. And I have quite a large uh, voluntary staff around the world. That is helping me. I'm just not doing this myself, uh, including my wife, who's also helping me uh, greatly. And uh, I have, uh, you know, uh, volunteers uh, in, in South America, Australia, New Zealand, and, and uh, in Europe that are all joining together to help me uh, with this project because it's quite a large project. Uh, and uh, we're doing more and more uh, meditations. For example, we probably do 50 meditations a month. Uh, for biorelativity. As I said earlier, we have like 60 uh, planetary cities of light and we're, uh, you know, have 
already five more new applications to bring forth more cities of light. That's awesome. That's great. Well, thank you very much for being on today. Well, Gary, it's my pleasure. And uh, uh, thank you and your listeners for the openness uh, to these uh, questions. And uh, let me know if I can be of any further assistance in the future. You got it. Absolutely. You're welcome back anytime. And just hang on for one moment. I'm just going to play the outro. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you loved what you listened to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.